Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Bert. I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than. You may have noticed that there is no Joanna today. Sometimes she just doesn't even want to get down with my weirdness, and this is a weird one, folks. <laughs> if this is your first time listening, welcome. We are a podcast discussing unsolved mysteries, weird occurrences, misunderstood phenomena, and creepy happenings. If this is not your first time listening, then welcome back. As always, the Stranger Than podcast logo art is brought to you by Cthulhu Art. The link is in the show notes. Today we will be talking about some alternate theories of humanity. About the planet Maldek, the Anunnaki, and all kinds of weird-ass shit. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. Fuck yeah. And a lot of it is actually, there's some real stuff. We'll be talking about some real fascinating astrology stuffs. And so that's fun too. So we're all aware Bert <laughs> is also in Pill Brigade. Indeed. He uh, drums with us sometimes, and yeah. in the past was a uh, permanent fixture. Yes, indeed. My life got very, very busy with uh, family and all that kind of stuff, so nowadays I just play a handful of shows a year with the guys just doing uh, live percussion. It's been a long time. It's been a good, good, good journey with that. And uh, I may not be Joanna, but I promise you I will say fuck almost as many times as her. Yeah, no one can really say fuck more than Joanna. <laughs> I, I was trying I, to figure a good way to say that. I, I will do my best. Yeah. I will make her very fucking proud. I think you'll make her pretty fucking <laughs> proud. Well, in the 1700s, a couple German dudes, both named Johann, had an idea. This idea was that from the sun outward, each planet is about twice as far from the sun as the one before. The math actually checks out until Neptune. The asteroid belt that falls between Mars and Jupiter is located where, according to this theory, a planet should be. Now, the asteroid belt isn't just a mess of rocks. There are actually four main large asteroids that have names. Ceres, the largest, was discovered by Giuseppe Piazza in 1801. I think he was an Italian guy. Sounds like it might have been. Yeah. Uh, Ceres is large enough to be considered a dwarf planet, and its diameter is roughly 587 miles or 945 kilometers. Vesta, Pallas, and Hygieia are the next largest objects in the asteroid belt, but are too small to be considered dwarf planets. A man named Heinrich Olbers discovered Pallas in 1802 and Vesta in 1807, and came up with the idea that the asteroid belt is the remains of a planet. Just another thing. He's just like, yeah, yeah, it must be. Yeah. What, what, what else could it be, you know? <laughs> Random debris? Nah. No. Nah. Uh, he referred to the planet as Phaeton, after the son of the Greek sun god Helios. The idea of the asteroid belt being a destroyed planet is not as much bullshit as you might think. Many fates of this lost-slash-hypothetical fifth planet from the sun have been theorized. Some astronomers believe that it may have been torn apart by Jupiter's gravity, hit by another large celestial body, something occurred on or in the planet itself, or it was destroyed by a hypothetical star known as Nemesis, that is a companion star to our sun. So the asteroid belt is possibly a hypothetical planet that was possibly destroyed by a hypothetical star. 
Hypothetically. 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 And I'm already seeing a very strong connection between this planet and the theme of various gods in different cultures. It's oh, already yeah. popping out. You know, I mean, the neat thing about that that belt, too, is that there's a lot of different theories about what could have happened to that planet. And, I mean, all, all of them are certainly viable. My favorite is that it was just basically caught in Jupiter's gravitational well and just slowly ripped apart. That's kind of what sent it on its course. Yeah. Right. Astronomers believed that Jupiter had something to do with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it would, it would certainly make sense. I don't claim to know very much about science itself. No. No, no. <laughs> Caution here. I am not a scientist. But, I mean, it, it, it definitely seems to make sense. And then, of course, collision being the second one. Some of the, the you know, the theories start to get a little more stranger, I guess. They'll, they'll get there. <laughs> they'll definitely get there. Talk of the star Nemesis began in 1984 and was used to explain what seemed to be a cycle of mass extinctions that would occur every 26 million years. It was a thought that this star was orbiting the sun at a distance of 1.5 light years. 8,817,938,000,000 miles or 14,191,095,612,672 kilometers. Jesus. That's the only time I'm converting light years to miles and kilometers. Oh, that was awful. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Twelve identified extinctions over the past 250 million years seem to follow this 26 million year cycle. Current technology is able to detect a brown dwarf star out to the distance of about 10 light years, and they have yet to detect Nemesis. So, I mean, we can see things out pretty far. Oh, yeah. But we haven't found this yet. It's commonly thought nowadays that the asteroid belt is the remnants of what's called a protoplanetary disk. It's basically a baby planet. As the name suggests, it's (laughs) disk-shaped and made of bits of rock, ice, and other space stuff. The reason it never grew to a planet was likely due to the gravitational influence of Jupiter. Jupiter is a gas giant. They catch asteroids and shit coming into the solar system and fling them off or incorporate it into its, its own orbit and then... We don't ever have to deal with it. Yeah. You need to have these big planets on the outer sides to catch all that shit. That's the only way. Well, they one of the only ways they think that there could be life on other planets is them not getting completely pummeled by shit all the time. It's pretty amazing how many objects are sailing through the middle of our fucking solar system. Yeah. Like on a daily basis and how much of that shit is caught by other planets and various moons and debris fields and shit before it even gets to our atmosphere. And then you how know. much the, our atmosphere burns up. Oh, yeah. And I mean, look at the moon. I mean, that thing has taken a beating for us for how long? A while. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so a it's, it's pretty crazy that yeah. even as many things make it through as they do. It but, is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, not, not a big chance that they do. Just imagine like an object traveling through space that, you know, is even the size of a large city, which doesn't seem like much on a planetary scale, but that shit traveling through space smashes into a small planet you know the debris has nowhere to go so it just starts to orbit the sun like everything else yeah i mean it's it's not that far-fetched no in our solar system we've got mercury venus earth and mars which are all made of rock and metal then jupiter and saturn are gas giants made mainly of hydrogen and helium and uranus and neptune (laughs) are ice giants made up of mostly water ammonia and methane Thea is the name of an Earth Trojan about the same size as Mars. An Earth Trojan is something with a similar orbit around the sun as Earth. The theory is that Thea slammed into Earth 4.5 billion years ago, 
so hard that the core of each planet mushed together and became one. The debris tossed off by this collision created two bodies that orbited the Earth. They eventually became one. This theory, in addition to explaining the moon, also explains why the core of the planet is larger than one would expect from a planet this size. Because that's the case. That's one of the reasons people think that the Earth is hollow. The math doesn't work out as far as the size of our planet and the mass it should be. Pieces of the moon that scientists have analyzed are quite a bit like the Earth's crust. So this supports the fact that the moon is a bit of Earth. Yeah, it used to be a part of us. Yes. That's actually what science thinks. Yeah. That's like the, the, the theory is that the two planets smashed into each other, made the one we're on, and made the moon. That is fucking insane. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that in our Hollow Earth episode. Discrepancies in the orbit of Uranus and Neptune have led astronomers to believe that there is an undiscovered planet floating around out there in our solar system. This was something that was believed up until the 1990s, and this planet was called Planet X. In the 1990s, it was discovered that some of the math about the mass of Neptune was off, and that actually accounted for the orbital discrepancies. In 2015, belief in a Planet X came back. There is this thing called the Kuiper Belt, which is an icy ring of stuff that starts where Neptune's orbit is. The stuff consists of dwarf planets, some of which have atmospheres, depending upon their distance from the sun, uh, comets, and other icy things that vary in size are out there. There's even some moons orbiting the dwarf planets. Super weird. There's just this clusterfuck of random planets, yeah. small planets. Yeah, just it's, it's almost floating like around. our fucking solar system's junkyard out there. Yeah. You know, it's all the shit that was just too far away to make it. It's just too damn cold. There's just not enough light, you know. Didn't get but caught up in a It's amazing thing. how, like, we hit the edge of, like, our known solar system with Pluto. It, at that time, Pluto was still considered a planet. And... At that point, we just went straight out into deep space, you know, started looking at all that stuff, and we kind of ignored this entire gigantic field that is very much a part of our solar system. It orbits with us, you know, everything's all in sync, and it just kind of gets left out of the discussion entirely. It's just filled with shit. It's filled with shit. Big shit field. Yeah. Planets we can walk on. They've, they got atmosphere. Gravity. Fucking moons. It's weird. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really makes this whole system we're in feel really, really, really big. And by all accounts, we're on the outer part of it, too. We're in the in the boondocks. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. The reason that we're bringing up the Kuiper Belt is that the Caltech astronomers noticed some strange orbits and stuff out in the area beyond even Pluto. The Caltech is the California Institute of Technology. After running computer models and doing crazy math, they believe that it's possible that a Neptune-sized planet with a predicted orbit could take about 15,000 years to complete, but could be just roaming around out there, and we just haven't found it yet. To put this in perspective, Neptune goes around our sun every 165 of our years. This Neptune-sized planet that they believe is out there because of the computer models and the math, 15,000 years to complete one Fuck. revolution. That's insane. So that's <laughs> quite, a, quite a difference and would easily account for why no humans have ever seen it. It would be neat, though, if we could time it out to, you know, when, when they would be expected to, to make another pass yeah, yeah. in our general area. Because, man, <laughs> if, if, if that's a thing, that would be 
That would be a hell of a thing to see. That's that would for be sure. something else. People that get grant money and shit believe this. It's actual stuff. The new Planet X has yet to be found, and the process for finding it at this point is basically just looking for it. With current telescope technology, astronomers believe that it is faint, but we should be able to find it. So it's really just about getting powerful telescopes and just looking, trying to find it with eyeballs. Fucking needle in the haystack. Yeah. And now that would be a use for artificial intelligence. That would be, oh, yeah. To track all of that shit. But then, you know, we have artificial intelligence, and that's not, that's probably not a great idea. Yeah. Although, you know, there was that thing that happened in Las Vegas where the Tesla self-driving Tesla mm-hmm. crashed oh, yeah. into like the advertising robot and then drove off. Hopefully we make AI robots in our image. And so the AI will be constantly fighting itself and not worry about us. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Program them to hate each other. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe that's how Star Trek got to where they were. You yes. Know? That, that's where the utopia begins. Turn the robots against each other. I like how we could just not invent the robots to begin with. There's like, no always... fuck it. Like, we're going to do it. We yeah. just got to make them fight each other. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, people are going to make robots. It's just the way it's going to work. <laughs> it's fucked up. But hell yeah, dude. I mean, let's let's fucking send them into space, you know? Yeah. Or not even send them into, put, like, put them in charge of the goddamn telescopes. Yeah. And then they can map out algorithms to, you know, from what they see, the most likely yeah. directions to go and... Non-stop. Yeah. Don't need to eat. Don't need to sleep. Yeah. Just sit Fuck there, yeah, man. look at the stars, and fucking hate the shit out of robots. <laughs> that's their only... That's what they do. <laughs> Those three things in Prime that Prime directive. <laughs> don't hurt humans. Don't do anything that could hurt humans. Look for this planet. Hate the shit out of robots. Hate the shit out of other robots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fucking terrible. So all that's like all like rational, real stuff. Now let's go into the weird stuff. For sure. I, I fucking love weird stuff. Yeah. And this necessarily, I mean, this doesn't mean you're crazy if you believe any of this. This is no, all I got just, some I, possibilities I, I love of when you start thinking it. outside of the box. Yeah. Like, we know the box. We already know a lot of the box is generally accepted. That's, you know, that's, that's all well and good. But, you know, I mean, let's, let's keep a little magic alive in this universe, you know, just because, I mean, as, as I am generally fond of saying, the most learned and knowledgeable people on the planet at one point knew for a fact that the earth was flat. Yeah. That was scientific consensus. And then they learned more and things changed, you know? So I mean, we got to keep, we got to keep the, the weird alive, man. Cause, cause who knows? We really who don't knows? know the things that we know versus the things we don't know are, it's ridiculous. We don't know far less than we know. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And Shit, we don't even know about what's going on on our own planet, and so we don't know the deepest rainforests. We don't know the the. Oh hell no! I mean, caves, dude. Caves, caves scare the shit out of me. Uh, the because, ocean. I mean, who knows what the hell's down there, man? No, like, only the things down there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the deepest yeah, oceans. Yeah, the oh yeah, that's creepy too. I mean, you could like probably walk through a rainforest with like a like a jar above your head and catch three different kinds of insects that no one's ever seen before i i find that amazing yeah that that abundancy of life how stupid insects are yeah 
<laughs> just flying into jars well, of jackasses. It's just crazy that they're always just discovering new oh, shit crazy. constantly all the time still. You know, I mean, you start talking about outside of this planet. Where we've and never, I mean, very few people have ever even who been. Who the fuck knows? I mean, even like our most advanced like science and astronomy and all that stuff even that is still in the scope of the universe in its infancy. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing how much more we're learning on a daily basis, how much better our tools are getting and what we're being able to derive from them about the universe and where it starts. And, you know, they can start really toying around with all these different crazy theories, you know, and a hundred years ago, scientists would have looked at them and, you know, You'd tell them bubble theory. And these old-timey scientists, the smartest people in the world, would be like, you're a loon, get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's you all know? bullshit. And so, that's you know, a crackpot I mean, theory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, so, hell, we, we don't even know how to make regular physics and quantum physics talk to each other. And they're both very, very real. Yeah, so, basically, we don't know shit. <laughs> and so there's several ideas that we're going to cover today. They're all generally the same. So we'll just get into it. Every 3,600 years, a planet enters our solar system. This planet is called Nibiru, and on it lives a group of beings called the Nephilim. Earth had been colonized by these folks nearly half a million years ago. We mentioned these guys in our Giants episode. Uh, the Bible talks about them. Moses' spies go out to look at this encampment, and they come up on this encampment, and they see these giant motherfuckers farming and shit, and all their fruit is huge, too. And they come back to Moses, and they're like, no man those guys were giant and like yeah they had like big ass food but man we're not going up against them and those are the nephilim they didn't they went off against other people the reason that they colonized earth was for gold you see nibiru's atmosphere was failing and they needed gold to repair it the pyramids in egypt created portals that would transport the raw ore back to nibiru Three hundred thousand years ago Humans were created by crossing DNA from Earth animals and the Nephilim. They made these hybrids to assist in the mining of the gold and whatever else was needed. This may be where stories of things like centaurs and the like come from. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Just early experiments. Yeah. Yeah. And they, were, they were scientists, you know, like first and foremost. You and know, if it was that long ago, it probably wouldn't have been Homo sapien. It would have been like maybe Homo erectus mm -hmm. or yeah. or maybe Neanderthal or something like that. Yeah. And then what happens when you take an advanced humanoid species and you, you know, cross, you know, the genetics with that? I mean, they, they call it the missing link for a reason. Like nobody still to this day knows exactly where humans came from, what point in our well, genetic history. We can actually now track our history all the way back up to when we shared a, a common ancestor with chimpanzees. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's something I just learned very recently. No shit. Yeah, so we there is no more missing link. We've, oh, we've well figured then, the whole thing out. My goodness. However, that <laughs> that that still doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, for sure. I mean it means that <laughs> I mean, sorry, but Humans came, humans and, and apes crazy. are like the same species, yeah, kind of. But, but it doesn't mean that, you know. If they're doing genetic tests, then this is the form that ended up working. And that's yep. why. So the monkey mixing with the monkey man yeah, thing. There you go. That's, that's what it did instead of the, the horse man or the dragon man or yeah. the, like ostrich man or whatever. For sure. For yeah. sure. That's neat. I, I, I wasn't quite aware of that. That 
had to actually like make me stop and think again for a minute. And yeah. Like, oh, holy shit! How does this? How does this change my narrative now? <laughs> Craziness. But it's that's neat though. That's really cool, and it makes sense. You know, I mean, in a lot of the earliest writings about the Nephilim or the Anunnaki, as they're also referred to, um, is that they got a little lazy. You know, that's one of the theories. They were perfectly oh, yeah. capable of doing all this shit, but. You know, they were smart enough to know, like, you know, we could just create a workforce, teach them the basics about how to, you know, take basic care of themselves, food and all that kind of stuff, and then just let them do all the work. Oh, yeah. And what's neat is that what they were there for, the the gold, so that they could have it in, like, some kind of aerosol form or something so they could use it to patch up their atmosphere. And those are things that scientists here have actually theorized about trying to find ways to use uh, gold particles to patch holes in the ozone Interesting. layer. So I mean, we even came up with that general idea, you know, here we are hundreds of thousands of years later, and we came across it on our own as well. So, I mean, even the general idea of using certain materials to patch layers of the atmosphere, like, that's definitely based in, in real science. Right, so what you're saying is basically, like, it's not just bullshit using gold to patch up atmospheres. That yeah. is something that could probably be, that is that is theoretically something that you that you could do that scientists have actually looked into to combat climate change here because that's one of the prevailing theories, right? Is that their the atmosphere holes, yeah. was trash because of industrialized life? And I imagine if you're a spacefaring civilization, the amount of toxic runoff from having to create those things is probably just ghastly. Oh, yeah, especially when you're first starting out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at how bad our atmosphere is, and we're still on the ground for the most part. You oh, know? yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And we've only been at it for really a few hundred years. Yeah. When you look at where all this occurred in what was Mesopotamia and is mostly in modern-day Iraq now, where all of that occurred is right down there between the two main rivers. Yeah, the Tigris and, that and place the Euphrates. Is super, super rich in oil as well. Yep. So one of the theories is that that was specifically where they centered their operations because of its vast, vast resources. You know that they used oil in some form, just like we would. You know, and yeah, it's, making it's, plastics. You need oil for that. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. yeah, it's really, really neat, and it gives them good access to North Africa. And all of the mineral-rich lands up there, you know, and then you could disperse to the whole rest of that continent. Let's talk a little bit about that area. Yeah. And, like, some of the shit down there, because this all kind of, uh, the, the Babylonian astronomy and mythology of the area sort of is some of the things people use as proof for these particular beings to exist. Uh, Nibiru in Babylonian astronomy is used in reference to the equinox and things associated with it. The equinox is uh, what the change of winter to spring and summer to autumn is called. Uh, solstice is when it changes from spring to summer and from autumn to winter. And Nibiru also means crossing or a point of transition, especially in reference to rivers. The word is Akkadian, which was spoken in the 30th century BCE in Mesopotamia. The ancient city of Nippur was founded in 5000 BCE. A tablet found here speaks of gods. These gods are able to travel through the sky, and when they are on Earth, they would dig into the planet. To some, this means they were aliens that flew around in spaceships and mined gold when they landed. Anu, the head god, was sick of all the work, referring to the mining, 
his son Enki thought it would be a good idea to make a species that could do the work for them. He and his sister Ninki created a human, but this required the sacrifice of a god. The blood and body of the god was mixed with clay, and man was created. At first, the humans that the siblings made were incapable of procreating, but they fixed that shit later. Uh, this pissed off Enlil, a brother of Enki, and created a rift among the gods. Taking the blood and mixing it with clay and making humans? Yeah, you know, I mean... Sounds fairly... <laughs> I don't know. There's definitely a lot of, you know, correlation between that and the whole, like, more, like, Christian tradition of, you know, God made man out of clay or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Dust and clay, I believe, or, or yeah, something. Yeah, so, you know, once again, just, like common themes popping up throughout history all yep. kind of going back here and all these blue religions are from this area too oh yeah and you can actually trace a lot of things from the christian religion um, a lot of themes and events that are directly taken from the old sumerian religion oh yeah and it's just been passed down and absorbed into every you know, every tradition since and it all comes back to this point in human history because this is the as far as we know, like the first. Yeah. And in, in the area, I mean, I'm sure there was probably some sort of higher culture going on over in the Americas as well. Oh, yeah. We just don't know about it because we did a pretty fine job of decimating two continents. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We're going to hop back into space here. And we're going to work under the theory that the asteroid belt itself was a planet called Maldek. This planet existed some time ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago, in fact. And the inhabitants, though not super technologically advanced, were ahead of where we are. They had mechanized workers doing the shit jobs, and they were able to control the weather, which made life easy. You know, you control the weather, you control famine, so there's none. Yeah. It's nice when you want it to be nice, everyone's in high spirits. You know, you're pretty much on top of the world if you're controlling the weather. You can use it to make, you know, high wind areas to create all your power for you. I mean, it's, it would be amazing if we could get a hold on weather. After the powers that be finished, you know, decimating the planet with their weather weapons, things would be pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, that would definitely be pretty sweet. We could use a little bit of that kind of climate control around here. Oh, no shit. That would take care of the climate change. Yeah. Because <laughs> we could change it. But I wonder what it would do to every other species on this planet, though, when you start fucking with the weather cycles. Like, plants depend on weather cycles. Yeah. Animals depend on plants and various weather cycles. You know, like, I, I wonder what would happen if you were just like, eh, we've had enough sun for now. Let's make it rain for the next four years, you know? Like, that would Somehow be crazy. Somehow I, I think that is in a kind of extreme. I would imagine the way it would go is they would look at weather patterns at a time that was less, that was more natural than now and then base it on that and then adjust it around, of course, what humans want. For sure. Not too cold, but not too hot. But wonder... in some places it's got to be colder because oh, yeah. you, there's, there's animals up there that need the cold and some places need to be warmer because I mean, I mean, you gotta, you can't just kill off a bunch of lizards because it's too cold, or whatever the fuck, you know. For sure, I'm curious if, like, just through the random chaos of you know nature, that even if 
they had developed something like that, you know, where you could just cultivate the atmosphere on a planet to be perfect. Like, it's still a random force of nature. Oh, yeah. And so I wonder how often, like, freak occurrences still happen and just disrupt the entire system. Well, you know, there's theories that some government agencies actually have weapons that will control the weather. Indeed. And so if weather control was available, I'm sure there would be rogue elements uh, in, in society that are, you know, just want to watch the world burn. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the theories behind, you know, chemtrails and all that yeah, is, yeah. you know, one of the theories is that they're out there, you know, cloud seeding and things like that and trying to create weather where they need it. And yeah, it's so, you know, I mean, there, there's certainly minds that think like that. Oh yeah. So definitely. And that's what they believe, kind of what happened on Maldek, is that everyone was chilling out. It was a nice place to be. Robots were doing shit work and, you know, idle hands. <laughs> so uh, they few decided that they wanted to play with making nuclear weapons. And so they did. Uh, they made a hydrogen bomb and they blew it up. And Maldek went the way of Alderaan. <laughs> According to the law of karma, these souls had to be reincarnated. They had to go someplace. They couldn't just not go someplace. And that was a shitload of souls. Maldek was gone. Where to reincarnate? Earth. Earth was the answer. Some beings, more spiritually and technologically advanced than the rest, asked those living on Earth if it was cool that these people reincarnated here. The inhabitants at the time were called Adamic Man and were a highly cultured race, and they agreed to this. Yeah. Reincarnate on our planet. That's totally cool. Hey, fuck it, man. Why not, right? The souls from the Maldek over time reincarnated on Earth, where Adamic Man stayed for a bit to help out before leaving Earth to its new inhabitants. Eat these, don't eat these, don't shit in the water supply, whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know? Adamic Man is an interesting term to me and suggests that these people are from the line of the biblical Adam. In Genesis, we are first hearing about the exploits of the line of Adam. After about the first ten chapters or so, it switches to the adventures of the line of Abraham, where it sticks. Pretty much for the duration of the Old Testament. Perhaps that's because the line of Abraham are the souls from Maldek, and the line of Adam are the original inhabitants who had to take off. The New Testament follows the trials and tribulations of a third group of people, those who are Abrahamic in spirit and not blood. This would be the Christians. Apparently, at some point, everyone lets God down, and he makes a fourth race called the Overcomers. The book of Revelations speaks of the Overcomers in chapters 4 through 11, who, I guess, are the ones that eventually win the fight against satanic forces, which really doesn't have much to do with this. I just can't resist weirdo Christian mythology. <laughs> so now we'll talk about the book of Enoch. All right. You know about the book of Enoch, Bert? A little bit, yeah. It talks about some funky shit. Some funky shit. It is only accepted as canon in the Ethiopian Orthodox Christian religion, Catholic Christian, one of the two. And uh, I think it's actually one other it's also considered canon in, but it's it's crazy. It tells of Enoch, who was the only man to have ever gone to heaven alive. God was just like, yeah, dude, come check it out. And he it's basically a book of him walking around with angels and then just pointing shit out to him and telling him stuff, sort of a tour. Yeah, sounds Crazy. like he went back up to the mothership. Something. 
Yeah, that's that. It's bananas. It's weird because no one else in any of the biblical writings has ever done that. And this is also this is this is canon in in some. Yeah. And yeah, Ethiopian seems like a, an obscure one, but this particular Ethiopian Orthodox are also the people that are possibly the last the lost tribe of Israel. Yeah. One of the lost tribes of Israel. Oh yeah. So that's a weird thing. And I mean that general region of the planet is one of those places where you know the early ones like the yeah. Anunnaki and such that's the general area where they would have been. That whole area, so I mean that's it's far more likely that that tradition was exposed to them. You know, more likely than it is say, you know, like around Israel at that, you know, at that same time. Right. You know, and I mean the original Egyptian religion was all about the multi-gods and all that. Oh, yeah. And they believed in it thoroughly as well. If you got a spaceship, really, that whole area is not a big area. The whole planet's not a big area. No. To get to point A to point B in a spaceship, you go into orbit, and then you go down to point B. It's very... Yeah. It's not a big deal if you've got the technology. Yeah. Very, very, very yeah. much so. So, yeah, that's... That's fascinating that that particular branch of the Christian religion in that specific region would, you know, be one of the only to to recognize that book as legitimate. You know, it's it's tough to know because that book has been so heavily edited so many times throughout oh, yeah. history, and there's so many different versions. You know, I mean, there were entire, you know, Gospels that were left out when they made the original one, even before it was edited. So, I mean, who knows what kind of stuff was in there that we'll never know. A really good podcast that I listen to every week is called History in the Bible. Can't remember the name of the guy who does it, but he is an Australian fella. And really good podcast. He doesn't get preachy either way. Just tells the story and all of the all of the history is of, of all of the Bibles is what he says. Really good podcast. You should have a listen. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting just just to hear about it because it's it, there are interesting stories. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And they it, when you hear the those stories the the stories in the Bible and the stories of a bunch of the ancient religions that no one like really worships anymore. They're very, very similar, especially all the ones in the same like area that all these Abrahamic religions came from. Oh yeah. They're all very similar. Makes sense since they're all like from the same area. Yeah. Very, very, and very almost much so. like it was an evolution from these ancient ones to the current form that we see at today. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. There's a, theory that popped around in my head a lot um when i first started getting interested in these types of things and that was that with the the strife among the the anunnaki down here on earth you know kind of sibling versus sibling that maybe some of those old tribes were basically warring factions you know that fought on behalf of you know oh yeah either, either the siblings like their own little personal human armies and that that's why their religious traditions are, you know, similar, but with all these different variations, because they all put emphasis on different gods or, you know, different traits or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, maybe the earliest Israelites were the street fighters of one of the Anunnaki siblings. and Very similar to Stargate. Were, yeah. The, the show Stargate. And, and that's funny, because in all of my diggings around like Stargate is actually heavily influenced by these things that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. The whole theory behind the show 
is inspired by conversations about Nibiru and Maldek and all that. And we'll definitely get into some of the more mainstream, like basically where the, all, all the ideas of it came from as well. But right now, we're going to talk about the Book of Enoch. It starts out back in the day, shortly after the whole Garden of Eden thing. Humans are all over the place, and a few angels have noticed that, you know these human women? Pretty hot. Pretty damn hot. <laughs> these are fallen angels, and they're called the Watchers. They take these women as wives. I'm pretty sure the phrase, take as wife, in olden days talk means fucked. I doubt there were rings exchanged and a ceremony. I doubt if they really even were too bothered by consent. <laughs> they were just, yeah. Look, especially angels versus humans. Anyway, the children they produced, called Nephilim, were giants who were super unruly and fucked animals and ate humans. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Yes, yes. <laughs> fucked. Sorry, that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. They even got down with cannibalism. Yeah, yeah. People oftentimes refer to cannibalism when, when something else eats human, they call it cannibalism. That's not the case. So the Nephilim were basically They were on eating like, other Nephilim, too. They, they were like on prehistoric bath salts. That's what yeah, it sounds like. pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> it was like a mixture of prehistoric bath salts and PCP. It's <laughs> on a fucking rampage. Yeah. So oh, they're just God. fucking animals and eating humans and eating each other. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Meanwhile, the fallen angels, the Watchers, are teaching humans all kinds of shit like magic and astronomy and astrology. And blacksmithing and all this other shit that gods was specifically said. Don't <laughs> teach this shit to humans. And the watchers are just down there fucking teaching that shit to humans. Oh no. The archangels see all this shit and they bring their concerns to God, who gets pissed because they're doing exactly what he said not to. Some of our listeners have children. And I'm imagining <laughs> that that's similar to when you're like, don't do that, little Timmy. Don't do that, little Timmy. And then little Timmy's out doing that same goddamn thing. Yeah. Yeah. Daily struggle in my house. Well, <laughs> parents, God's pissed and he just insert the flood trope. So if your kids yeah. are being bad, just flood the shit out of them. <laughs> That's what God did. Uh, God tells Archangel Raphael to grab all the watchers and incarcerate them in some very imaginative ways. Like chain them underground and like. Hell yeah. A few of them are in the area beneath hell. Beneath hell? Yeah, there's God a place damn. beneath hell. Yeah, it's I can't remember what it's Oof. called, but it's real shitty. We talked about that in the Hollow Earth episode. And they're all just incarcerated in these random places until the final judgment. Uh, the flood is meant to take care of the Nephilim and the humans who learn the forbidden knowledge from the Watchers. So I wonder if Sodom and Gomorrah was just a whole bunch of Nephilim just going crazy just fucking shit up just literally <laughs> and figuratively yeah yeah just out on the town yeah <laughs> that, that's their idea of just out for a good time yeah it's just fucking for a bit of the old ultra violence yeah 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 <laughs> i bet they fucking hang out at milk bars probably goat milk bars <laughs> Ooh. yeah that was a little bit of christian mythology for us you know how i love it uh, we've got some mesopotamian mythology as well Way back in the day, the gods, called Anunnaki, were doing all the work on Earth. This is one that you, you talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. They got sick of all this work, as one does, and decided to do something about it. Thus, the seven most powerful Anunnaki created the Ajiji to do work for them, 
Then the Anunnaki cast lots to see who'd get what part of the land, and the boss, Anu, went up to the sky. Which is actually a lot like the Greek myths, how they chose each of the gods what parts of the earth they got. Same thing. Just lots. And then the big boss goes up to the sky. Uh, the rest of the Anunnaki kind of fucked off, leaving the Ajiji to dig canals and excavate and do manual labor and all that kind of shit. The Ajiji had paid attention to how long they'd been working. It had been 3,600 years. Weird how that number is yeah, back into there play. there it is again. Yep. They were sick of this work, so they revolted, as, you know, as one does. They surrounded the house of the Anunnaki who was left to keep an eye on things, named Elil. When the Ajiji surrounded his place, he was awakened by a servant. He then called on Anu to come back and help him out. Anu came back, along with the rest of the Anunnaki, real fast. The Ajiji told the Anunnaki they did not like the work conditions, and after a bit of back and forth, it was agreed that they'd make a whole new race to do the shit work. It was settled. Time to make humans. They sacrificed the god Illawella because he was very smart, apparently, and that well, I mean, mattered. I, yeah, you know, if you're going to create something with it, you know, it's kind of like a sperm donor, right? Yeah. They just flipped through the book, and he was, you know... He was the good one. Donor number 572-B. Illawella. <laughs> well, they killed him, and they mixed his blood in some clay in which humans were fashioned. Seven men and seven women. I like how it's, uh, you know, the men and women were created of the same shit in this one. Yeah. It's rare. Time passes and humans are everywhere, which becomes too damn loud for the gods, who get pissed and complain. Guess what the plan they land on is? <laughs> they flood the fucking place. <laughs> fucking flood it. <laughs> like, God damn it. Just flush the toilet. <laughs> Fuck yeah. The Ajiji are interesting. The name Ajiji combines the words Iji and Ji. Iji means I, and G means to penetrate sexually. Ooh. These words are the same in both Sumerian and Akkadian. It is not very clear how many or even which gods are considered Ijiji or Ijiju as they are sometimes known. Further, it seems that some gods are both Anunnaki and Ijiji. The problem is that we don't have complete tablets, as many of them have been destroyed, lost, or a steady combination of the two. So we only have a real rudimentary knowledge of the actual story of the Anunnaki and the Ajiji. But the name Ajiji, to penetrate sexually and I, that's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean... Is it literally, I, I like to fuck, you know? Maybe, like... <laughs> or, or maybe that it was some kind of, they used a microscope to make a thing that they then like inserted into something like a yeah. like a artificial insemination thing like yeah, i like i mean i don't know baby kind of shit yeah 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 for sure so it's it's a strange a strange term and it's it's found on these fucking tablets yeah so it's not just some random bullshit yeah yeah i mean you know yeah maybe it's just the testament to the fact that they insert a bit of themselves into this creation yeah yeah and maybe just grammatically speaking with the way that their language work, maybe that totally makes sense and doesn't sound weird. Or after thousands of years of yeah, not using Akkadian or Sumerian. <laughs> yeah. Like, we just don't quite have the translations right. Maybe something is lost in translation. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe humans weren't as sentient as we are now back then. That was a long time ago. Maybe our brains are better now than they were. Yeah, yeah. I don't know definitely. if that's I mean, a thing or you not. Know, we but... keep living longer, so our bodies hold up better. What's to say that our brains, you know, like Aren't we don't better or yeah. shit, maybe worse. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why we don't understand this old shit is because we're dumber now. Yeah, could be, could be. You know, that's that's one of the the things that pops up. You know, when you talk about this shit is lost knowledge and lost powers. Yeah, they like they got sick of this shit or for whatever reason, and they took off and. We had enough to build civilizations and head off from there, but some shit got lost along the way. Yep, yep. Could well be. You know, I mean, I don't remember everything I was ever taught in high school, so. No. <laughs> some of it I do, but. I don't remember a lot everything of it's from gone. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, <Right>? exactly. <laughs> yeah. In 1995, a lady named Nancy Leiter claimed that she had been contacted by aliens from Zeta Reticuli. That's the same race that Betty and Barney Hill claimed to have run into. Betty and Barney Hill were the, I think, I guess, like the first reported um, alien abduction. It happened in like the 50s, I think. We talked about it in our alien abduction stories episode. These extraterrestrials had a warning for mankind. A planet was going to swoop into or nearby Earth and cause a pole shift that would put a pretty significant dent in humankind. This event has had dates set on and off from as early as 2003 until 2017. Spoilers. <laughs> a planet has not swept into or nearby our planet yet. That's something we would have noticed, even with smartphones. Truth. <laughs> Don't you have a little bit about some aliens, Bert? Yeah, yeah. It all links back to what we like to call the greys. And the uh, greys are the, the gray aliens. Big yeah, eyes. your very standard image of what an alien looks like. Yes. And there are several groups of these greys, and one of them is the, the Zeta. And that goes into a theory about a planet referred to as the Apex Planet. And that's a bit of a story in and of itself. That was one of the first developed societies in the... Uh, Lyran Star Group, or Lyran, I'm sorry if I butchered that. And apparently it was one of the earliest planets in this theory to sustain some kind of humanoid civilization. So not necessarily human beings, but just a humanoid. Yeah. Two arms, two legs, a head. Yeah, roughly basically. proportioned, and like we're proportioned. The, the general theory is that they were fairly similar to us, but then through some kind of cataclysm, you know, weather event, um, the ever-present nuclear war, which pops up a lot when you talk about these kinds of things yeah for whatever reason they were forced underground and after generations you know their bodies adapted to the surroundings and didn't need their old form anymore and they changed you know the larger eyes they could see in the dark different you know shapes of their body and bigger head to yeah, support exactly. a bigger brain and um and yeah so that's one of the theories is that gray's are the original inhabitants of this so-called apex planet out in a different star system, and that they've eventually made their way here for the same reason most of them do, because they're curious about other habitable planets as well, right. as are we. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's it's just neat a lot of the, the parallels that pop up between this and then the, the Maldek theory, where one of the possibilities is that they destroyed their own atmosphere with nuclear war or whatever their equivalent would be yeah yeah and um yeah it's it's just uh 
it's just neat how how those things pop up consistently and now we can attach it to those ever so present you know and popular gray aliens poking people in the butts and all the time all man they're, they're all about that shit they don't even need to it's just something they do for laughs probably yeah it's fucked up man they like to look at the, the look on our faces when they poke us in the ass yeah exactly and there's another group of greys from the orion area and they're said to be a bit more hostile that they would be the ones that you know would want to come here to conquer and basically annihilate take our resources and then move on to whoever would be next so basically they're 1500 spain we are south america <laughs> yes exactly right exactly and so those start factoring in as potential origins for where we come from as well and it definitely bears a lot of similarities to the maldek and the nibiru theory the apex planet thought it's something I just learned about recently, so I'm looking forward to digging a lot further into it, because, um, yeah, I, I love greys and all the different thoughts surrounding them, especially if we can connect it to human origin. That would be amazing. Yeah, at some point we're going to have an episode that's sort of a uh, alien who's who, and maybe you'll come back for that and Hell talk yeah. to Joanna as well this time. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. In 2003, the United States and their allies basically walked across Iraq and occupied the capital city of Baghdad. During the initial stages of this occupation, many antiquities went missing or were just straight-up destroyed. Things like cuneiform tablets, statues, and other such artifacts dating back to 6,000 or more years ago. So pretty fucking old. Yeah. According to some, those busting in and grabbing artifacts weren't all just your average citizen, but oftentimes people who looked a bit more professional busting into facilities locked with much more complicated than normal locks and things like that. By professional, of course, I don't mean wearing suits, but by wearing tactical gear, hands-free communications, high-powered weaponry, and acting in a coordinated manner. Basically, militaristic. That's crazy. Cuneiform is an ancient Sumerian writing, one of the first forms of writing we've come across. The writing was made by a reed, cut into a wedge shape, and then pressed into a wet clay tablet in a variety of orientations and patterns. Cuneiform actually means wedge-shaped. The clay was then fired, making the writing on it mostly permanent. I mean, barring destruction of the actual tablet. Which is the problem that we've run into. Yeah. In the middle of the 19th century, an Assyrian palace was found with a shit ton of cuneiform tablets. This gave scholars the first look at Sumer. Up until this point, the legends of this ancient civilization were thought to be simply myth they'd heard all about it didn't find a goddamn thing that's insane a few years later the city of ur was found ur was spoken about in the bible it's said to be the home of abraham more tablets were found here as well as golden tombs these cuneiform tablets talk of a race of beings called the anunnaki said to have descended from the sky and are the offspring of god and means from heaven to earth they came the Sumerians were the first known civilization in the area called Mesopotamia in modern-day southern Iraq and predate even the ancient Egyptians. Though the area went through many hands, the Sumerian culture and society structure remained fairly constant in the area. These people were incredibly advanced for their time. They had a complicated legal system, agriculture, writing, astronomy, mathematics, the list goes on and on. The gods of Sumer were vast in number, 
both male and female, some of these beings lived in heaven, some on earth, and some in the underworld. The Anunnaki are the heavenly beings and therefore the highest of the deities. They had the ability to, to look human, but were generally formless and came to earth to spread wisdom and mine materials. Some say they had large conical heads, similar to the cone heads from the SNL in the 70s, and I think the movie in the 90s. Yes, indeed. And large eyes. They also lived for hundreds of years and knew all of the sciences and all of the arts. Uh, the Elamites sacked Ur in 2004 BCE, which ended the third dynasty of Ur. Although eventually the Elamites were driven out and Ur was restored. Just so I'm not leaving anyone hanging with the fate of Ur. <laughs> Listeners want to know. They do, they do. When excavating the ruins of Ur, Queen Puabi's remains were uncovered. There are many reports of Sitchin wanting to have her genome tested because he fully believes that she is at least part Anunnaki. We'll talk about Sitchin in a bit, Zachariah Sitchin. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why he thinks this, but Ancient Aliens claims that it is because she had a large head, like that of some pharaohs in Egypt and some mummies in Peru. And the part of the head where the brain sits in this case is, is enlarged. It's not like enlarged in weird ways. I mean, I guess that's kind of weird, but it's usually the back, like above the eyebrows and everything yeah. is, uh, is, is bigger, enlarged. Nineveh is a city where shit happens in the Bible and was the capital of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. This area was also excavated in the mid-19th century and a ton of cuneiform tablets were found. 20 to 30,000 tablets. Jesus. So perhaps a ton is underselling it. <laughs> yeah. Several tons, I'm sure. In these tablets is found a story of a dude named Marduk who fought a god called Kingu and took his blood. He mixed the blood with clay and fashioned humans. Marduk is a pretty big player in the Mesopotamian mythology. He did all kinds of stuff, fought Tiamat, which is a big dragon. Mm -hmm. and he has something to do with the beginning of things and something to do with the end of things. Well, there's one of the theories that floats out there is that Tiamat was one of the planets and collided with Maldek, which sounds an awful lot like Marduk. So that's yes. like, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But was the information from these tablets readily available before people yeah, came exactly. up with the idea of the planets or, or not? But, you know, once again, like for me, like that's part of the appeal. Yeah. Yes. It's nice to have a bunch of shit that's like proven in fact and everything's credible. But, you know, I mean, it's, um, you know, there's that whole X-Files element, you know, yeah, where the sometimes... spots in between. Yeah, like, the, the the guy's saying some random weird shit, like, he may be onto something. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's no fair censoring the far out just because there's not just enough... Just because it's far out. ...evidence. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what but, YouTube you know, is doing. YouTube is, yeah. is messing with their algorithms, so things like conspiracy things and uh, weird weirdo shit is just not popping up. Yeah, and to me, like that's you know that's not right. No, there shouldn't be that censorship. Kind of censorship is not censorship isn't it's not a good thing. No, bad censorship is bad. It's bad. It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> the king's list is a stone tablet that lists all the kings of Sumer from before the flood until 1730 BCE. The first king on the list that is verifiable from other sources 
is Enni Baraj C, who ruled around 2600 BCE. In Nippur, they found a couple vases that referenced him as well. The dates on the list that show how long the kings ruled was pretty crazy. It matched the ages of biblical figures like Noah and Methuselah. So they were living for thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. I believe yeah. you got a little bit about the king's list. A little bit, yeah. What strikes me, obviously, is just like the tremendous longevity of these ancient figures, whether, you know, they were the, you know, gods themselves or just had a bit of the, the blood mixed into theirs and right. gave them such long life. But And it's something that is that goes goes across religions, is all of these oh, yeah. ancient figures, even the ones who aren't necessarily gods, like Noah and Methuselah, they weren't gods by any means. They were just men, but they still lived hundreds upon hundreds of years. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so with within just like this single lineage of kings, I think it's, what is it? A total of eight kings ruled for 240,000 years between eight people. So you're talking about an average reign of like 20 to 30 to 40,000 years. You know, I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's a long time. That is that is ridiculous. That's crazy. So, yeah, I I would I would love to know their secret. Well, perhaps the secret is that they just uh, you know swap out kings and keep the same name and no one really <laughs> knows what the, what the fuckers look like. You could easily carry on a rule like that using the same name and you know just kill all the old servants or wait until they die too or you know, whatever, and everyone starts fresh, and you're this new guy, and it's not oh, yeah. like... And then if you, like, keep them from seeing the public, like, you know, oh, they're too holy, nobody's allowed to look oh, at them. fucking mask Then you could just whatever. have an empty fucking chair yeah. and just keep telling people, like, oh, yeah, they're in there. You oh, just yeah, have to you trust us. that too, yeah. You just can't look at them because they're divine. 30,000 years old looks great. Trust us. Like, no, seriously, <laughs> super hot. Well, it's amazing to think about that span of time. You what know, the fuck would you do with all of that time? 30,000 years. I mean, Jesus. Man, that's just... That would just... get boring. <laughs> Seriously. At some point, it'd be like, just fucking kill me. Some, like, uh, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Every, you've done everything. <laughs> I'm literally a pile of dust. Let me go. I wonder if maybe that's when you just focus completely on spiritual stuff, and so you just ascend instead. I don't know. Yeah. You yeah. Just maybe that accounts for to... like a lot of the early mystics and yeah. all that, you know? They were, they were just that old, and... Had that kind of time on their hands. Just kind of did some Obi-Wan Kenobi shit and just became one with their whatever. Yeah. Sounds sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's now talk about old Zachariah Sitchin. Woo. He was born in 1920 and died in 2010. He wrote about the idea of ancient aliens before it was cool. Basically. He grew up in a place that was called Mandatory Palestine. But after 1948, everyone just called it Israel. He went to school for economics in London, where he received his degree, which is all fairly inconsequential to the story. At this point in his life, what we really care about for the sake of the subject at hand is that he taught himself Sumerian cuneiform, and even went and checked out some archaeological sites for himself. According to his interpretations of Mesopotamian stuff, there were a couple extra planets making their way around the sun. One of these is called Nibiru, which has an orbit that is past that of Neptune. Uh, this planet has such a long orbit, it only ever reaches our solar system every 3,600 years or so. The other planets orbit 
was between Mars and Jupiter and was called Tiamat. During one of Nibiru's passes through our galactic neck of the woods, one of its moons slammed into Tiamat, splitting the planet in half. One half of the planet was further pulverized as Nibiru passed through it, and the other half was battered by Nibiru's moon on a second pass, and sent spiraling into the location of what we know today as Earth. The first half that was reduced to rubble became the asteroid belt that we see today. Nibiru is the home of a race of beings. They may sound familiar to you at this point. <laughs> They're called the Anunnaki. Oh my goodness, oh, there's know. that word again. I know. In Sumerian <laughs> mythology, Anunnaki don't clearly fill a role. They first show up in writings around 2100 BCE as kind of deities of time, like a way to explain why humans have a lifetime. Yeah, yeah I, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Anunnaki are also portrayed as judges and underworld gods. Other cultures see the Anunnaki as elder gods of what other pantheon they are currently following. Opposite the Anunnaki are the Ajiji. The Anunnaki come from An, Sumerian god of the sky slash head honcho of the gods, and his lady friend Ki, also known as Ninhursag. I would also go by Ki, I guess. <laughs> she was a Sumerian mother goddess. Also, the Anunnaki are the beings known as Nephilim in the Bible's Genesis. So they're the same, mm -hmm. according to Sitchin. These beings showed up about half a million years ago in search for gold. It's speculated that they needed gold to help repair the damage done to the atmosphere uh, during the collision with Tiamat. I don't really know how, but we talked about it was probably being a spray or something. Mm -hmm. Yep, some kind of aerosol yeah. or something. It doesn't really matter, though, because two primitive human beings running around the face of this little blue planet, these people coming from the sky were gods, yeah, not glorified miners. Uh, well, these miners got sick of mining and went on strike. To appease the angry Anunnaki sent to Earth, the Homo erectus inhabitants of the planet were crossed with extraterrestrial DNA to create a new race, Homo sapien. In Sitchin's translations, it states that Sumer was set up under the direction of the gods who did the DNA splicing. The leaders of Sumer were to act as intermediaries between the earthbound Anunnaki and the Homo sapiens. I guess they were kind of the heads of humankind's labor union? Yeah, pretty much. You may question the validity of all this shit. It's a pretty contrary narrative to what we grew up with. Yeah, just a little. But you're not alone. And listeners, you're also not alone. Because believe it or not, Zachariah Sitchin has his critics. What? Yes. No way. Yep. Oh. Some believe that his ideas come from a place of confirmation bias, which is to say he's interpreting all the information he is receiving in a way that furthers his beliefs. I mean, the story that he paints right there is basically what the Mesopotamian says. Like, I read the Mesopotamian, what we have, and the translation, of course, the, the mainstream translation, of course. And so basically, that's, that's all right. I mean, all of the stories are basically the same. The Anunnaki mm -hmm. gets sick of fucking working, and they make another race, and then that race gets sick of it, and another race does it. It's basically all the same. Sometimes it stops at the first race. You know, sometimes there's this Ajiji race. Yeah. Which Ajiji is a real word. You know, it's a real Akkadian word, real Sumerian word. So that's, that's weird. But some of this stuff is, it, I, I can see why people would say it's, it probably is confirmation bias because, I mean, he's not translating them in the way that everyone else does. Yeah, yeah. So... And that's that's a pretty legitimate, you know, critique. Yeah. You know, if uh, 
if pretty much all of your peers are like, yeah, I mean, you could translate it that way, but most of us know it's probably this other thing. You say, no, 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 it's just this one. Like, as a scientist, like, you have to examine all possibilities and not just discredit things because you don't like what it tells you. Right, and he's not even a scientist. No, no. You know, he's, he was an economist. Got a degree in economics. I don't even know if that's called an economist. Probably? We'll, we'll just call it that. I'm gonna. That fucking economist. Right. Ugh. Whether or not, you know, his stuff was incredibly accurate at the time or it was done with a little bit of confirmation bias or whatnot he definitely started a discussion that has taken us to some pretty interesting places that's true mainstream scientists may not necessarily believe all of these theories but it it plays in their imagination and that's what gives people the drive to really look out there to see if you know even if these aren't necessarily 100 percent it is there something like that out there like the current planet yeah. x that scientists actually exactly. believe is out there and without like real scientists these wacky that get theories stuff. pushing yeah. along you know and like the underground you know like a lot of those ideas wouldn't rise up to the top so you know i mean yeah i mean through throughout all of the books that he published I'm sure you could probably find quite a bit of stuff where you're like, yeah, I don't you know. And a, the, but, a lot you of them know. you'll find in the science fiction section. Sometimes yeah. you don't, but sometimes you do. And, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's fine, but it's still important, I think, as far as the dialogue that it's helped to create about us questioning our origins. And it's gotten us to look at, like, a lot of our ancient religious texts and oh, yeah. see, my God, they're all the same mythology. Basically. And so where does it start? You know, where did we first have contact with something that made us think there's All more crazy than shit. us yeah. that's out here? It's an insane because it's stuff that we still adhere to today that still that people this very day, this very second. It controls and is a part, a huge part of their life. And like uh, for some people, all they give a shit about mm-hmm. is their religion. We like to think we're so advanced and everything but it's it's the same it's it's the same as it was thousands of years ago almost the same religion oh yeah practiced differently but yeah just different interpretations throughout the years and i think it'd be hilarious you know for like it'd be a hilarious blow to the human ego to realize that we were just created to help other beings mind gold mind crap for them so like when that, that would mean that like we just are bred to find gold and that's why we have gold as such a central part of our lives why when we find gold in america we all rushed to yeah. you know a different coast to go with it dig through because yeah because that's just that was our shit i mean it's like a dog's looking for a bone humans <laughs> looking for gold that's what humans do <laughs> humans gonna human that's what we are built to do yeah, that's hilarious yeah. When Sitchin was initially translating all of this stuff there were only a handful of experts in the world that could read sumerian in the past couple of decades, this has changed because these books have been published that translate stuff, and so non-scholars can learn it. I guess I wouldn't call someone who can learn a dead language like that, a cuneiform language, a non-scholar, but yeah. you don't have to study for years to get access to this shit. You can just go to a library and check it out and learn it. Yeah, potentially. Exactly. That allows for non-experts to realize that his, some of his translations are off a bit. Uh, they also give him shit for his idea that Sumerian was a base language from where all others stemmed. It's wrong. 
Sumerian is what is referred to as language isolate, which means that it is a language that can't be mapped to any other known language. No one's speaking any forms of, of Sumerian. It just stopped. So That's crazy. not the base of any language. Weird. Yeah. I guess that's probably why, you know, when it, it, it was, it's been talking about Sumerian and Akkadian is like Akkadian may have picked up and where Sumerian stopped being spoken all the time. Maybe Sumerian was kind of like Latin is now where it's still spoken, but I yeah. mean, not really spoken. Well, you know, let's go back to that story you were talking about earlier. The one group comes along and there's another group that's already there. And then after a while, they're like, okay, you got this, you know, and these slightly more advanced ones take off. And they leave, you know, oh, yeah. the yeah. humans left to carry on. Maybe that's the Sumerians. Maybe at some point they in, and they brought their language with them. They said, we've passed on all we can to you guys. We're the fuck out of here. Um, good luck. And maybe that's why it's not a base language of anything, because yeah. it just ceased to be. Good luck. Speak Akkadian. We're going to go someplace else. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> As far as a planet with an orbit, as Sitchin describes Nibiru having, it is unlikely it would be able to sustain life. He said it had a thick atmosphere that kept heat in, along with radioactive decay that would help sustain the heat until the planet got closer to the sun. That's probably not the case. Additionally, the planet would be outside of even Pluto's orbit for nearly all of its existence. It would spend very little time in the light of the sun. Yeah. It would be dark as fuck for most of the time. So, I mean, I guess maybe that would be ideal planet where you could grow a big head and giant eyes yeah and not worry about but i mean how would you grow there to begin with oh yeah yeah and that's where you know his not actually being a scientist kind of harms a lot of the things that he was saying like and yeah he really should have consulted like professionals in these areas even if it messed with his theories like he should have checked them and he also apparently took the things myths said just way too fucking seriously. <laughs> There's actually a website called SitchinIsWrong.com that gives the evidence that shows that, well, Sitchin is wrong. Check it out. It goes through all of Sitchin's ideas about Nibiru and the Anunnaki and builds a case against it. If you really want to, I mean. That's savage to have a whole yeah. website dedicated to people just being like, nah, dude, you're fucking wrong. And now I don't know if Zachariah Sitchin himself all these books he wrote, if he intended them to be taken completely and 100% as literal truth, yeah. or if they were meant to be as a, just a science fiction series or perhaps an allegory of some sort. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, maybe it started off as a general curiosity and he just, you know, rolled with it. Or yeah, maybe he was uh, fanatical about it all the way up to the end. I wonder you know. if it was similar to L. Ron Hubbard. Like, when he wrote the books, was he writing them with the intention of starting a religion, or did all of that come later? Yeah, exactly. I just don't know. And that's that's what that makes me think of, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe he just didn't get his off the ground or whatever. Yeah, maybe. It's 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 amazing to sit here and dig through hu- you know, like human history and watch how many traditions and stories and fables and creation myths and all that all come back down to one geographic location and one point in time. Right. You know? And the point in time is, is, is actually the, the more fascinating part for me because even native American traditions talk of floods. Yeah. And it, it seems to me that there must have been a flood. They must be talking about a flood that actually happened for everybody to be like, well, there's this fucking flood. Yeah. And I know they talk about, 
a an ice age that occurred called the Younger Dryas that happened after the the big ice age before it. When that thawed or whatever, that could have caused a flood. Yeah, and that could be a flood that everyone's talking about. It's it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. I mean, it it'd be it'd, it'd be foolish to deny the the existence of some kind of massive event like that because, like you said, like it pops up in so many yeah, different everyone's fables and it. myths and all that. Or, you know, maybe that was just one of people's greatest fears, and that's why it pops up so commonly. That could be as but, well. you know. Yeah, that, would, that, that could be, you know, just flood the land. I mean, everyone talks about giants, too. Yeah, exactly. Giants pop up everywhere in all kinds of different myths and fables. And even in science, there's always somebody claiming to have found the skeleton of a giant or, you know, found somebody who has, you know, DNA that might be that of a giant. Yeah. Dun-dun-dun. And... <laughs> but, Yeah. But it's it's just neat, you know, even on like the religious aspect, it's it's neat to be able to trace back all of these similar stories and concepts all the way back to once again, this one time and place in old ass Mesopotamia. Right. And that's like where all of this shit starts. And so something pretty amazing happened back then in that point that was so epic that every generation ever since has just kind of it's it's like a big long game of telephone right you know and the general initial first message is still in there somewhere but it just gets changed from person to person or on a planetary scale from culture to culture to culture you know add in their own things and you know change stories to add in their own personal morals and values and allegories and shit but it's all the same thing and where the hell does it start I would love to know that. There's so much missing knowledge out there that's been just lost forever. If there's even a specific starting point, and yeah. if it wasn't just sort of a way that humans have always felt. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I mean, it could be something as neat and exciting as, you know, two different, like, dimensions, you know, or two, like, universal planes that are, like, right next to each other, you know, and... Maybe that's where a lot of the shit comes from. Maybe. You know, and maybe that's where some of these early beings come from. Maybe they just, you know, have a way to cross dimensional barriers. And then when they're done here, they just take off again, you know, and maybe in that other dimension, there is, a, you know, a, a planet Nibiru or a planet Maldek in a different, a slightly different version, you know, of our universe in our solar system where, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's the fun thing, right? You get into the theory and then oh, all of yeah, a sudden, like anything is kind of possible. There is uh talks of, and people theorize about Atlantis, that it was only destroyed in the third dimension, that it still exists in the fifth dimension. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. so, you know, why not the same with the planet Maldek or yeah. the Tiamat or, or, you know, whatever the fuck. Cause you know, I mean, science nowadays, I mean, has found no evidence of, you know, this crazy, like, rogue planet on this crazy orbit around the sun. Or, or little you know. evidence. Oh, they yeah. found enough evidence they believe that there's one out there the yeah. size of Neptune. But as far as, but like, they, it matching with, you know, anything that we're talking Sitchin's, about, it's like theories so about and, the 3,600 yeah. year orbit and all that. I mean, no. Somewhere we, in human history. That we would have noticed some kind of massive event and it would have been recorded. Yeah. You know, if, there would be some kind of evidence. Or a 3,600 year period, definitely. Yeah. Because so, we have... Maybe just his math was wrong, yeah, you know? Maybe. I mean, or he just made up a bunch of shit. 
because he wanted to write some books (laughs) and wanted to lend them a little bit of, you know, wanted to sort of start like a, a viral campaign with them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I certainly believe that there is another planet out there that this planet X that they're currently looking for is, is out there somewhere. I don't think that it's orbit is that, that it's going to interfere with earth. No. I and think that it would we never have be to in be, our lifetime. Oh no. <laughs> and I think that if any sort of extraterrestrial threat we have to worry about extraterrestrial not being like an alien, but just something mm-hmm. that not from Earth yeah. would have would just be a large asteroid or something that would hit the Earth. Yeah. Pretty much I think that's our biggest threat. Maybe aliens. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's possible. You know, but I, mean, I feel like know, if for, aliens for are another really time come, we can dig into, you know, like Aliens and reptilians and infiltrating governments and you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that yeah, delve into a new weird. Oh yeah, rabbit hole. Oh man, I'd, I'd love to jump down that rabbit hole with you. That that stuff's fun. All right, well know? we'll uh, when we do do the when we do do huh? <laughs> when, when the alien one comes around, we'll have you back, Bert. That sounds fucking fantastic. But until then, I think that's all we got for you. You can check us out on Instagram at Stranger Than Podcast. Spotify, do a search for Stranger Than Podcast. On Facebook, we have the page Stranger Than Podcast and the Strange Space Group. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Stranger Than Podcast. Our Podbean page is Stranger Than Podcast.podbean.com. Drop us an email at Stranger Than Podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like some merchandise, check us out at tpublic.com slash user slash stranger than podcast. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining me today, Bert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been fun, man. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you next time.